one second. Okay, everyone. Oi. So when did this happen last that I was early with the class? This is, it's, uh, it's, 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 what is we now? It's Sunday. And this class is usually Monday, if, if I'm lucky, if not Tuesday. And now we're early. Baruch Hashem. Baruch The reason is I'm traveling tomorrow and I wouldn't be able to give the class. I have a wedding in New York. Um, and instead, here I am. I'm going to do the class. I'm going to do the class tonight, Sunday night. All right. So it's Parshas Vayakal Pekudeh. It's a very special week. We do Parshas Chazak, meaning Shabbos Chazak. We're finishing the second book of the Torah, Sefer Shemoz. It's also an extraordinary, it's also an extra special Shabbos because Shabbos is also going to be Parsha Sachodesh. We read a special reading for the new month. And in such a year like this year, it's on, on, off the charts. But before we do that, let's dedicate tonight's class. Tonight's class was dedicated by Mrs. Miriam Fishman. And this is in honor of a very dear friend of Mayan, Reb Moshe Fishman, um, on, upon his fourth yard site. Uh, Moshe Baruch ben Rabbi Yaakov. His yartet is going to be on the 27th of Adar, a little further up on the week. May this be for a big schus for his neshama, to carry his very special soul. What a sweet and special man. Such, you know, passion for, for goodness and for holiness and for whatever was good in this world and such a, a kindness and just a, a real mensch and a real great guy and loved coming up here and uh, for, for many years didn't daven here regularly but was came up here usually a lot of times Friday nights and was very much part of whatever was going on at Mayan so I'm very happy to be able to dedicate this class to him and may he shine down upon all of us and especially upon his family his wife and his children and instead of shining down which is only a ray let him come down it's time for all the neshamas to come down here. And uh, we, we already merit the return of all departed souls into this world for everlasting joy and happiness. Okay. So before we begin, it's, it's an exciting time. I'm a, I'm a little tired. I'm, I have to say that. I just can't push off the class because I'm not going to be here. So I hope I stay awake. <laughs> Um, and uh, the class is successful. That will be Hashem's help. So um, I do want to say we're living in interesting times, very interesting times. Uh, interesting, I think, is a very poor word. We're living in the most crucial, amazing times of all of history. It's intense. Mm -hmm. You know, we spoke a lot about the past few classes about the darkness before the light, and I think it's particularly pertinent right now 
But we're going to blast out of it. We're coming now from Adar into Nisan. Again, 3,333 years since the giving of the Torah. Everything is set for magnificent miracles and great, great, great things to happen. May God already have mercy upon us. And flip everything over for the good. Mamish literally turn everything over for the good. We had, I had an insight on Shabbos, which I mentioned in the Kiddush over here in Shul, that all the things we're talking about, 3333, three, 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 we want to turn over Tavshim Peyalov, which also spells the word Ashpos, which Ashpos means the dumps, the dumpster. And we want to turn it over to, uh, from Ashpos, may Ashpos Yarem Evyon, the Ebesh shall lift us from the dump up to the heights. And also that you should take the af, the wrath that's in the world, and turn it over to Ploi Sarenu. Wonders we will see. In order to turn something over, you use a wheel, right? A wheel, like a Ferris wheel. People that are on the bottom go up to the top. And the word that is usually used for that is galgal. A galgal achoyzer, a wheel is called a galgal. And what's a galgal? Gimelamet, gimelamet. I came across it regarding something else in last week in the parish about the kiyar. It says one of the um, kohanim made a galgal for the kiyar. It's a, like a pulley. It was a machine on a wheel that would lower the kiyar, the wash basin down. But it uses the galgal. Galgal is a, is, a, is, a, is a turning thing. So when we want to roll from the, when we hit rock bottom, this year has been a pretty tough year. And we want to go up to the top, from the lowest to the top. One, two, three. We need one roll. God has to take and roll. So Gal Gal is 33-33, which is this year, 3-3-3-3. So in addition to everything else we spoke about, 33-33, we have the ability this year, not only that we're told that from the bottom will come the highest, but the year itself is facilitating the spin, to spin us from the bottom to the top. We're looking for signs, and it's been a little dull. I have to say, at least in my, <laughs> my range of perception, I had a lot of darkness. Uh, the darkness is that a couple of months ago we were, we were, we were sh every, uh, me, we, well, I, you know, all of us, I guess. Uh, and I was pointing out to you, anybody listening here, so many things happening in the world that was so exciting, that was so messianic, that was so incredible and it seemed like a couple of months ago things didn't uh, you know things seemed to be rolling in the opposite direction which frustrates anybody I think that is a little Moshiach dig and uh, very bothersome so you know I, I look I scan the horizon for signs of, of the redemption and I'm sure those with open eyes are seeing a lot of things but from for me I, I felt a lot of darkness but last week we had a little bit of a flash, if I can give you a little bit of a flash. So there was a big, I read this about this on Friday, I, I, uh, that there was a huge, huge, huge earthquake. Now the coming of Mashiach doesn't have to have earthquakes, okay? God can come in very calmly. We're not looking for death and carnage, God forbid. We had more than enough of that. But this was a good earthquake because it was a sign from God such, and it was an inc a magnitude, very, very high. And as far as I know, no one was harmed because it was deep in the ocean. Off, it was felt, I mean, felt. They had tsunami warnings all the way in Hawaii, but it was deep in the Pacific. Um, and it was 600, 
and 20 miles off the coast of New Zealand. That's where this massive earthquake took place. And what, what got me excited about an earthquake? There's always earthquakes taking place all the time, including here in California on the West Coast. But what was special about this earthquake was that it was 8.1 on the Richter scale. Now that is massive. But in addition to it being ma massive, 8.1, that's this year, Payalov, 81. So to have an earthquake coming in 81, so it's basically telling us that 81 is shaken already. And now we're expecting it because we're waiting for the shaking, for the shakeup that uh, we're hoping for that's going to happen in the year of 81, that we will see the wonders, the wonders of Mashiach. So what better sign is the world is beginning to rumble. And the rumbling of the world is taking place in the, in the month of Ador as we are rolling into the month of Nisan. So maybe perhaps it is time that we put on our seatbelts and strap up and be ready for a major event. May God help. But here's the exciting. The di I mentioned that the distance of, distance of where this rumble took place, where this earthquake took place, 620 miles. Now everything is, if you pay attention, God is talking to us all the time. 620 is the gematria, we spoke about it so much, is the numeric value of the word keser, tough reish chaf, tough is 400 reish, is 200 chaf is 20, 620, which is the amount of Torah mitzvahs that we have, 613 commandments, biblical commandments plus seven rabbinic commandments, 613 plus seven is 620, and that's as we discussed in the, in the class called 2020, um, we had a class, more than one class we discussed it, is that the whole purpose of Torah mitzvahs is to draw down, to download 2020 which is the level of keser, the level of crown, and the corona, which we discussed, which is all the transmissions of this incredible, infinite light of God, which is the light of the mitzvahs. So when you have an earthquake coming from a distant place of the ocean, 620 miles out, that means it's distant, it's place where it's originating is, it, again, I'm reading into an event, yes, I can lift everybody's spirits, and I'm not doing it because I need something to tell you. I really believe if Hashem is doing it, we're supposed to notice things that are happening in the world. So a earthquake 620 miles off, exactly 620, which 620 is Gematria Kesa, and it's 8.1, which is the year 81. And it doesn't harm anybody. It's just kind of an, a sign from above. Hashem is saying, we're starting to roll. Let's hope. So I'm excited. That was good news. And as I told you, it's 333, so we can flip the year over. So let's try to find everything in the, everything is built on a system of three, including something in this week's parsha. This week, we're gonna start reading the third book of the Torah. That's also three, which we know is the most precious book of the Torah, the book of Leviticus, which Leviticus, Levi, in, in Hebrew it's called Vayikra. That's the Torah name, the, the, the whatever. The other name is uh, called Leviticus, but uh, Levi is also the third of the, of the tribes. Now, uh, so it's interesting, we're starting to learn the, the third um, Sefer in the Torah. But when we conclude Sefer Shemais, we're gonna announce three times, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazek, let's strengthen ourselves. So again, we have our number three. 
And now it's getting really exciting because we're coming into the month of Nisan. This Shabbos is going to be Shabbos Mavorchim. It's drawing down the blessings for this powerful month. And as the sages say to us, in Nisan we were redeemed, and in Nisan we're going to be redeemed. So our hopes are very high for this coming month of Nisan. A big, big, big miracle should already occur for the Jewish people and for the entire world. Now, um, so I want to speak about this parsha. Now, there's a double portion this week. Vayakel Pekude. That's two. But in the second portion, which is the portion of Pekude, it's talking about the actual um, completion of making the Mishkan. This is, the Mishkan is the, the tabernacle. It's the first home that we created for God. It was a tent in the desert. They, how they completed, first it gives you an account on all the, all the parts. All the, first of all, there's an accounting on all the monies, all the donations. And then it completes with the, uh, concluding the, the garments. Pekude talks about the garments of, of the high priests, how it was made, and so on and so forth. And at the end of the parsha, you have, you have the Jewish people bringing it all to Moshe, all the parts, everything that they made, and then Moshe assembling them, putting them up, and then eventually in the end of the parsha, you have God descending into the Mishkan, which later is going to repeat this in the next book, in Leviticus and the Yikra, and Pasha Shemini, it's going to give also the narration of more detail of how it happened that God came to reside in the Mishkan. But the first time that it's mentioned over here is in Pasha's Pekude. Now, um, before we, we open up the first, what we're going to talk about today, about the, about the opening of, of when the first verse in Pasha's Pekude, about this... Um, this descent of Hashem into the world. Again, it's not in the first Pasuk, but it's, it's, it's the, the parsha concludes with that, but the open, we're going to discuss the first verse. Before we get that, I just want to point out that there is the time that we're in right now is in an, an incredible time. Beginning today, Sunday. Maybe perhaps, maybe that could be the reason why I'm giving the class on Sunday, unbeknown to me. Meaning I didn't plan it for this reason. Even though I'm aware of it now. And that is that today was the 23rd day of the month of Ador, which is very special because today was the first time, today is the anniversary of when the Mishkan was put up for the first time. In other words, the whole purpose of creation is to make a home for God, that God should be able to come and dwell in this world. The first ever day that that was accomplished was the 23rd day of Adar. God did not yet come down, but we built the Mishkan. The Mishkan was put up for the first time. However, when it came evening, Moses, Moshe, was instructed to disassemble it. So it was built, and then it was disassembled. And then it was put up again the next day. Tomorrow it's going to be put up. It was put up 3,332 years ago. This is a year later after they went out from Mitzrayim, when they left Egypt, following year. On the 23rd day of Adar was the first day. They, this is the, he, Moshe put it up in the morning, took it down in the evening. The next day, 24th day of Adar, again, put it up, took it down. And so it went on for seven consecutive days. The last seven days of the month of Adar, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. Then the month of Nisan, Adar only has 29 days. The month of Nisan is the first 
is the eighth day. Yibayoyemashmini was on the eighth day that it was, and again, that, that it was put up, this time not to be taken down, unless they traveled. But when they didn't travel, they stayed in one place, could be there for weeks, days or weeks or months or even years. So this, the inauguration of the first dwelling for God in this world begins today. So, um, and now the Shekhinah did not come down during this time. You know, as we didn't see the visible presence of God. Until the eighth day, when they put it up permanently, then the Shekhinah came down. So in a sense, as we're going to see, there's really three stages in putting up the Mishkan. Number one, stage number one, is the seven-day period in which they put it up, but they put it up temporarily. The eighth day, when they put it up permanently, and that's stage number two, but even stage number two did not bring the Shekhinah yet. Then, and it says that uh, even on, which, on the eighth day, which was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the Jews were bewildered. And they felt very, 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 very um, rejected because they started doing the service and the Shekhinah didn't come down. In the beginning of the day, the Shekhinah wasn't there. The, the, the Shekhinah means the divine presence wasn't there. And Aaron, the high priest, felt that, it was, he, that he was inadequate. He told Moshe, why are you embarrassing me? We were all expecting. Talk about, you know, high expectations and not coming to fruition. And then Moshe went in together with Aaron and they prayed and then finally the Shekhinah came down. So the third stage of the Mishkan is the Shekhinah coming down. Three stages. But what do we have now? That these seven days is phase number one. I mean, that's, it seems like that's the way it has to be. First a temporary setup, then a permanent setup, and then... God responding and coming down. Three steps. So why is this so exciting? If we are at the final, 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 final moments before the redemption, or if we are literally at the threshold of the redemption right now, so today is a very crucial day. Because in the, in the world becoming a home for God, which we hope we're there, if things are going back to the way they were then, that means today things, spiritually at least, maybe, 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 I mean, it's not enough spiritually, it has to materialize, but let's hope that it's, it's happening. That by the time we get into, the, into Nisan, it's going to become more visible and more and more visible that this, the world is ready. Yes, okay. Now, um, what are we talking about over here? The making of the Mishkan. Now, the making of the Mishkan has just like we just mentioned in the Mishkan itself, there are three phases in making of the Mishkan. The putting it up tempor temporarily. The putting it up permanently, semi-permanently, because the whole Mishkan is not permanent in the sense that it's a mobile home. And then the dwelling of God in the Mishkan. Three, three phases. So the same is in the general theme of Mishkan which Mishkan is not really Mishkan. Mishkan includes also Migdash. Mishkan is, is a, 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 the tabernacle, but then the tabernacle evolves into a, into a home. There as well, we have three stages in the home. What are the three stages of the home? We have the mobile home, 
which is the Mishkan. Then we have the more permanent structures of the temples in Jerusalem, which they're a permanent structure, and they don't move around. It's only one place, Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. So that's already phase number two. We gradually move from a mobile home to a stationary place. But that's not the ultimate because the very idea that these places were destroyed. It has to eventually evolve into the ultimate temple. And the ultimate temple is going to be the permanent temple. We know the Beis Amikdash Ashlishi, the third Beis Amikdash, which is going to last forever and will never be destroyed. So you see that there is also three phases in creating this ultimate dwelling. And we are lucky because we are in the most highest and greatest time in history that um, we are living by the final stage. We could have been living three, you know, three and a half thousand years ago when they were just starting the project. How fortunate and lucky are we to be at the conclusion of the project when we're reaching the final stage. So let's take a look in the very first verse and we can, and where we can find hinted all three stages of this Mishkan, even though the Torah is talking about only the first one. But it's including already phase two and phase three. The Pasuk starts, Eile Pekudeha Mishkan. These are the accountings of the, of the tabernacle because it's going to do a precise accounting, how much gold, how much silver, how much copper, where everything was used. Mishkan edus, the Mishkan, the tabernacle of, te- of the testimony. Simply it means it was, it was a home. It was housing the, uh, the tablets, the luchais, and the luchais are the testimony. Asher pukat al that was counted. Who gave the accounting? Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who was overseeing everything. Avoida Salavim, which in general, the, the taking care of the Mishkan, putting it up, taking it down, and being in charge over the whole project was the, the, under the care, under the auspices, under the, under the uh, rule, so to speak, of the, of the Levim, the Levites. Biyadi Sama ben Aaron Akonan, who was their manager, was the priest, the, the, the Kohen Isamar, who's the son of Aharon Akonan, the high priest. Okay? So you got Moshe there, you got the Levium, and you got Isam. Actually, also three. I wasn't paying attention, but these. Okay. But so, in, in, in simply, it means the Torah is going to now give you the accounting of the Mishkan, which is under the charge of Moshe, Ara, Moshe, Isamar, and the Levium. Fine. Now Rashi is perturbed by the double wording regarding the Mishkan. It seems immediately it jumps right at you. So why does it say twice the word Mishkan? It could have said, These are, these are the accounting of the Mishkan, of the, of the dwelling of the, of the tablets. If you want to refer to the, the, the tabernacle primarily as a home for the tablets, fine. So say, These are the accountings of the Mishkan of the, of the tablets. What does it say? Double. Kudeya Mishkan, Mishkan Edus. Repeat. So Rashi says, ah, 
The Torah is giving you a hint. It's hinting to something. What is it hinting? The word mishkan, you can also read it as mashkin. Okay? Mishkan means a, a, a dwelling place. Mashkin means collateral. And the reason it says two times mishkan because it's two times collateral. So this is alluding to another type of mishkan. We got this mishkan over here, which is the tabernacle that Moshe makes. This dwelling, this, this temporary home for God in the desert. Eventually, as we said, it's going to evolve into a temple. And that temple is going to come in two forms, a first temple and a second temple. And both of them won't last. Why? Because when the Jews are going to sin, they're going to be destroyed. But their destruction is not meant for destruction. It's meant for taking collateral. It's when a person owes someone money and you want to make sure that they're going to pay up. If you have a debt and debt is not being paid, sometimes you can come and take something as security. Whatever. Take an item that has money and you hold on to it. I don't know, take a gold watch, taking, a, I don't know, some, some piece of jewelry that has a worth of whatever and you're holding on to it. So when God took away the first temple and the second temple, it's not destruction in the sense of destruction. He took it from us. The, the commentaries explain because up there in heaven it never was destroyed. It was taken away from its earthy incarnation. A temple is not a physical building. It's a physical building encompassing and enclosing a spiritual edifice, a godly structure. So the godly structure was divested from its physical form. The physical form collapsed and was burnt. But the spiritual part of it was just taken up and God is holding on to it till we pay the debt. The debt we have to pay is we have to tshuva, repentance, and fix whatever we need to fix. And then we get it back. When we're going to get it back, we're going to get the third temple, which is going to include in it the holiness and the greatness of both temples. It's going to be a combo. It's going to include them both and even greater than both of them. So we're getting it back. And that's the idea of Mishkan, Mishkan, two temples that Hashem took as a Mishkan. That's what Rashi says. That's why it says twice the word Mishkan. So what do you see over here? On the simple mean, okay, if, if you're not, if, but that obviously you understand is a little midrashic. That's, the Torah is alluding to it. That's not the simple meaning. The accounting over here was not an accounting of the temples. The accounting over here was an accounting of the Mishkan. It's alluding to the temple. Now, not only is it alluding to the two temples, it's alluding to the third temple. Why? Even though that's not stated here at all. You don't have an open statement of that at all, but it is alluding to it. Because by calling the other two not destructions, it doesn't say, Eile pekudeh ha-chorban. Chorban, God forbid, means the, the destruction. It says, Eile pekudeh ha-mishkan, which we're reading, mashkan. Mashkan means something you're taking for security. Security is something that you don't destroy. Security is something that you're holding on to. And eventually you're planning to give it back. You're just waiting for the person to... To, uh, to, you know, to, 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 do, to, to, to pay whatever they need to pay. So you're holding it for that person. And how is it going to come back? In the form of the third temple, as we mentioned. So really, in this Pasuk, you have the Mishkan, the two temples, which are phase number two, phase number three, the third Beis Amikdash. 
And really, in truth, it's not three things. It's one migdash. God tells us, V'asoli migdash, make for me a Beis HaMigdash. The Beis HaMigdash manifests and reveals itself in this world in three stages. Gradually, we move. It's first, it's first manifestation in the Mishkan as a mobile poem. It's second manifestation as a permanent structure that is stationed in one place, but not eternal, permanent in the sense that it's not moving, but not eternal. And finally, it is able to establish itself so firmly in this world that it lasts forever. But all of them are in the first mentioned already, right over here, when it, this is the Parsha of putting up the Mishka. And again, how lucky are we that we are at stage number three. Okay. So, to get a better understanding on these three dimensions of the third one. So is it, I mean, on a simplest level, the difference between them are, the first one, it was completely, had very little, um, wasn't anchored. It's like when you're on a boat and you're moving around. I don't know, you went fishing on a boat. So you're moving from place to place here and there. It's shaky, it's moving, and then, but you, you, and then you can let, set, let down the anchor. So when you're anchoring down, you're far, you'll at least have some more stability. But if you're a small little boat, then you, you know. But then you change to a big, big, massive you know, cruise ship or an oil tanker. That, that's that's going to stand. That's strong. So it's like three stages in godliness finding a nest in this world. First, it's very shaky. Doesn't even have one place. It's wandering in, the, in a desert. And it's uprooted whenever we're moving. Then it gets stationed in one place. But then it's get re it's, it, it, it really, really gets powerful and strong foundations. It's built to last, will never be destroyed, the, the third base image. So according to that, it's only in its durability and its strength and its connection. Is there a difference in the content of the three temples, of these three stages? Mishkan, Migdash, and Beis HaMikdash HaShlishi. Well, we're going to see that each phase represents another idea of the Mishkan. Because the Mishkan, or the Migdash, the Beis HaMikdash, has three ideas to it. That one Beis HaMikdash represents three concepts, three ideas. And each phase brought forth and, and, and realized another aspect of it. And one deeper than the other, as we're going to see. But in order to appreciate that and to understand that, let's take a look at a passage of the Zohar. Parshas Pekudeh. The Zohar, in, this is on Daf, Reishchav Beis, Ahmed Beis, starts with a passage, Pasach V'Omar Yefei Noif Meseis Kol Aretz. It's talking about how Jerusalem is the beauty of the world. Now, oh, by the way, I, want, I do want to, before I forget, this that, you know, we're getting ready, we're getting ready for the Holy Temple. We're ready at stage number three. I, I'm sure you heard the news. It's just so special. Last week, they started a, a movement in Saudi Arabia, out of all places, <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. They're very angry at the Palestinians because the Palestinians are, we're, we're, we're very, very disrespectful to the, to the Saudis. Um, 
whatever they 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 feel that they by lining up with Iran and so on and so forth, it's uh, it's to their best interest. The Saudis are extremely mad because uh, you know they've supported them. They've 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 pumped hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars for the Palestinian cause for all these years, and they're backstabbing them. So. That's the that's the um, physical you you say reason, but obviously these are all this is all because of some spiritual dynamics that are taking place that we're hitting the year we're ready at the geula at the time of the redemption. So the Saudis, someone came up, some some I don't know blogger or whatever, uh, on Twitter, put out a a a or an Instagram, put up um, a a uh, whatever uh, thing a hashtag called, in Arabic, the, the direction that Jews pray doesn't matter to us, or I don't care, something like that. I don't care to the direction that Jews pray. Meaning the fact that the Jews pray towards the temple matters not important to us. What's important to us is where we pray. And our headquarters is Mecca, not Jerusalem. In other words, there is a mosque over there, very nice, but that's not the direction of prayer. Even if you're in the mosque of Jerusalem, if you're a Muslim, you got to pray towards Mecca. Mecca is the is the heart. In other words, they're disassociating themselves to the whatever they call it, Al-Aqsa, whatever um, uh, mosque. It's not important. Which is the entire Palestinian cause, you know, that why, why they have to be over there because they have to be in the in the place of of our temple, and to prevent the third temple from coming down. So this went viral in Saudi Arabia, and it was getting like um, hundreds of thousands of. Again, I don't. I'm not on Instagram. So I don't even know what it's called. Uh, you know, uh, when people approve it, um, or the tweet or whatever, we're 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 we're, we're like we're joining in this campaign and giving their approval. So it's a huge thing. Someone even posted, one of the people, again, this is, a, this is an Arab, this is a Muslim, inside, and, and he put a, 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 an image of the third temple, of a temple, a, a Jewish temple, not a, and he said, he said, you know, soon to be, soon to be the, the Jewish temple. You know, we have ours, let them have theirs. Now for something like this to suddenly happen is huge. Because if you think about, you know, see, things have to start. Movements have to start. And if it sweeps across the world and, and, and millions of people join along with it, the entire Palestinian cause and their claim, or their imaginative claim to the Temple Mount, suddenly is defused and it's lacking energy, which is going to happen. Because they're not meant to be there. Our Temple is about to come down. So this is exciting. So let's take a look at what the Zohar says regarding Jerusalem and our Beis Amigdash. So the Zohar, even though our, the Zohar, even though this, the, 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 we're talking, see, even our, this is in Pasha's Pekude, it's talking about the, the Mishkan. But the Mishkan wasn't about the Mishkan. The Mishkan was only a prelude to Jerusalem. So it says over there, Tochazi. Shapira da Alma, the Chesed da Alma, the Zohar, I didn't read the whole Zohar, but I'm not going to read it now for sure. 
Um, the Zohar keeps, is talking about how like Jerusalem is the apple of, of the eye. It's the center of the eye. And then it says, Tachazi shapudu da alma, shafiru da alma, the beauty of the world. Tachazi di alma, lo yizchazu alma. And the appearance of the world, I don't know what that means, the appearance. Uh, the beauty, I understand. The beauty of the world was not seen in the world until Jerusalem, until the, until the temple was built, until Jerusalem was built. It means the world was lacking its charm, it was lacking its beauty. What does it mean, v'chezi di alma, the appearance of the world, I'm not exactly sure. In other words, the world didn't appear to be a world, meaning its full, its full image. Maybe that's what it means. Adi ispenevi itaka mashkana. Oh, sorry. Made a mistake. Not, it didn't. Not, not, not until Jerusalem was built, until the Mishkan was built. In other words, our world became started looking like a world, and beautiful in God's eyes when the Mishkan was built. The Mishkan again is a tabernacle. V'taka Mashkana, the and the Aron, which is the Ark of the Tablets, was brought inside the base of Migdash. Mahishata from that time is Chazachez the Kula Ba'alma, then. From that time, the appearance of everything is, sh- is seen in the world. Could be what it means is, again, I'm, my own interpretation, could be what it means that our world is a miniature of all the cosmos, of all the worlds. But until the Mishkan wasn't put up, you didn't see that. But once the Mishkan was put up and the aura went inside, you can see our world reflecting the sum totality of the entire universe and spiritual universes. Everything that's there in all levels was reflected once the once the, the Mishkan was built. The Istakan Alma and the world was perfected. And they they traveled with this Mishkan and with this Aron, which is the epicenter of the Mishkan, the, the, the Ark, the Ark of the Testimony, which is housed inside the tabernacle. And now they're moving around with it. Adamatlahu Nikuda until they reach the inner point of space. The Ihi Yafei Noif, which is that beautiful place. Chedva de Koyla, the joy of everywhere, of, every, of all of existence. Kivan de Matala as soon as they arrived there, which means until King David bought Jerusalem, and in the threshing, in the threshing field of, uh, what was his name, our, 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 Aruna, Arvina, and um, they prepared the, the Temple Mount, and then, and then King Solomon built the base on Megdash. And when they finally had the structure built, and they brought the Aron, the Ark, with, with the tablets, into the Holy of Holies, what happened? Kedain Pasach Aroina. The Aron started to sing. The Omer, and it says, and what, and what did the Aron say? The, the Ark itself expressed itself, spoke up. Imagine the ark speaking. And what did it say? The Omar and it says, Zois Menuchasi, this is my resting place. Adei at forever and ever. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a verse in Psalms. Um, Psalm, Kapitel Kuflamid Beis, Psalm 132. Zois Menuchasi, this is my resting place. Adei at forever. Po Eishev, here is where I'm going to sit. Because here is where I desired. This has been my intended place all along. Ah, I'm finally here. This is reminiscent of God saying when, he, when we made the Mishkan, God says, Basi Lagani, I'm finally back at my nest. I'm back in my bridal chamber. 
I'm here where I always wanted to be. So too, um, the Aron says, This is my resting place. So this is the passage. This is what it says. In, right? when the, so again, the world was perfected when the Aron came inside the Mishka. Then it traveled. And when it finally reached the Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, Mishkan was, and the Beis Amigdash was built, the Aron then says, Zois Menuchasi. Rabbi Yisei Omar. Comes Rabbi Yisei. And he, sa- and he reads this very same verse. Zois Menuchasi, this is my resting place. But he says it's not, it was not said by the Aron. Rather, Haikra, this Pasuk, Knesset Yisrael Amr Aleibashata. The Jewish people said it. The collective soul of Israel. Knesset Yisrael many times referring to the Shekhinah, which is the collective soul of the Jewish people. Or it can be, it was a statement made by the Jewish people as a whole. When did we say that? Beshaita de Izbene Bein Magdusha. When the temple was built, Va'ola Roina La Asrei. And the Aron was brought into its place at the time the Beis Amigdash was built. And the Aron was put in, into the Beis Amigdash. That's when the Jewish people claim, Ah, now, this is my resting place. So whose resting place is the temple? The resting place of the Jewish people. It's the place of our tranquility. This is our place. Here is where I'm going to sit. Because we've been longing for this place. So again, it's either, according to the first opinion of the Zohar, it's either the Ark is saying it, I mean, speaking on behalf of God, the Ark is, home, is, is housing the tablets, the Luchas, and saying on behalf of the Luchas, this is my place. Or it's the Jewish people, according to Rabbi Yisai, it's the Jewish people saying it. Rabbi Chizkiya Amar, the third opinion is Rabbi Chizkiya. What does he say? It's God himself who says it. Not the ark, not the Jewish people, but God is saying it. Al Knesset Yisrael, he's saying it upon the Jewish people. When he says, this is the place, which place are we talking about? Unlike what it said earlier, unlike, seemingly, unlike what it said earlier, referring to the place, which place? The, 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 the Holy of Holies in the Beis in, Amigdash. In that the Aron says, ah, this is my place, I can rest over here. Or the Jewish people say in the place of the temple, including the Holy of Holies, this is my resting place. It's Hashem saying it, but Hashem is not saying this is my resting place regarding the temple or Jerusalem. Hashem is saying it regarding the Jewish people. And Hashem is saying, you, Israel, you're my resting place. You're my dwelling place. Amr Lao Knesset Yisrael says it on the Jew. Zois Menuchasi. You, you, you Yankel, you Moshe, you Chaim, Sarah, all, all of you, men, women, children, all of the Jewish people, you are my resting place. Kad Yisrael Avdin Reusei. When the Jewish people do the will of God, Dokedein Kutche Berichu Yosef Al Kursai. When the Jewish people sit, I'm sorry, when the Jewish people do God's will, then Hashem sits on his throne, a kursei yakare on his, on his uh, throne of glory, 
The Chayas al-Alman, he has mercy on the world. Ubracha v'sholim, and blessing and peace. The Chavivusa dekula ishtakach, and love for everybody, and affection to everybody is, is, is pre- prevalent, is, 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 is everywhere. Okay, Omar, so God says, this is my, this is my, this is my dwelling, ad forever. So we have over here three opinions about who says this is my dwelling. Either it's the Aron, the Ark, either it's the Jewish people, Knesset Yisrael, or referring to the Shekhinah, which by the way, when we say Shekhinah, it's not God himself, it's the divine presence of Hashem in the world, manifest in the world, or referring to Hashem himself called HaKadosh Baruch Three opinions. Now, um, what, what needs to be understood, number one, first of all, what's the content of these three? What's the argument of here? Is there an argument? What, what's the deeper understanding of, the, of these three opinions? The other thing is, the way it seems like, is in the, the first two opinions, the, the, the place that we're referring to, the place that we're referring to is the Beis Amigdash. According to the third opinion, it's not the base of English. It's the Jewish people that are what it says. When the Jewish people do the will of God, it doesn't say anything to do with making a base of English. When the Jewish people find favor in God's eyes, God dwells amongst them, and then he gives blessings upon the whole world. He sits on his throne, and he's very happy. But according to that, we need to understand, so why is the Zohar bringing that over here? This not, there might be other, many other interpretations to that verse. The Zohar is not going to list you all the, all the explanations in that verse. The Zohar is always talking about what we're talking over here. Pashas Pekude. We're talking about God dwelling in a Beis Amigdash. So why would we even discuss that over here? It doesn't belong over here. So Behechrech we have to say, so we have to say, that even the third opinion, even though it doesn't mention that it's referring to the temple, it is referring to the temple. But yet, the emphasis is not the temple, the emphasis is the Jewish people. So we need to understand that. If it's the emphasis of the Jewish people, why would, how is it related to the temple? How is it related to the Beis English? Now, um, the differences of the three, of the three, um, of these three opinions, learning it superficially, is primarily who is the one saying it. Either the Aron is saying it, or the Shechin, or the, the Jewish people are saying it, Knesset Yisrael is saying it, or Hakadosh Baruch Hu is saying it. We pointed out that there is somewhat of a difference, not only on who's saying it, but about whom it is being said. Zois, this is my resting place. According to the first two opinions, the resting place is the Beis Hamikdash. According to the last opinion, it's the Jewish people. But is there a difference regarding about whom it's being said between the first two opinions? Now we could derive that a little bit, that there is a difference. It's not the same thing. It's just a question of who's saying it. The Jewish people saying it? Whose resting place is it? Is it the Jewish people resting over there? Or is it the Aaron resting there? There's a little bit of a difference. Because when you read the Zohar, you see 
this is not my diuk, this is the, the, the Rebbe. The Rebbe has a diuk over here. He says that um, the Zohar makes a whole inter- in introduction how um, the world did not have its beauty. The world did not, you know, was not shining with all the, it did not uh, display its, its true content and its true uh, perfection and its true beauty until the base, the Mishkan was built and the Aram went in. And then the, but the Zohar continues. But then it traveled, but when it finally got, it finally got to the beautiful spot, the center of the world, that's when the Aaron said, exclaimed. Now the next opinion comes right immediately after that, Rabbi Yese. And Rabbi Yese states, no, it wasn't the Aaron that said it, it's not referring to the, it's not the Aaron that's speaking, it's Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people are speaking. If all they're arguing is, if the whole difference between the two is only regarding who's saying it, then Rabbi Yisrael should just say these words: "Hi, Kra, Knesset Yisrael, Amrullah." This pasuk, the Jewish people said. That's it. When you just said when, when the Beis Hamikdash was built, that's what we're talking about. Because since Rabbi Yisrael. If you look in the Zohar, Rabbi Yisei continues. And it goes ahead and he says, when the Jewish people said it. When did they say it? Beshaita the Izbine Bey Magdash. When the Beis Amigdash was built, and the Aaron was brought to its place. is a sign that that too, which, is, which it seems to be completely unnecessary, because that was just mentioned in the first opinion. And all you're changing is only who's saying it. The fact that he does not suffice with that. And he goes and gives an explanation. When did the Jewish people say it? When the Beis Amigdash was built? That itself is telling you that um, Rabbi Yisai is emphasizing the time when it was sent, when it was said. Different than when, according to the first opinion, even though it seems to be the same time, when the Aron came in, yet there's a difference. Here there is much more emphasis on the, on the temple being built. There it says, they made a mishkan. And when they made a according to the first opinion, they made a mishkan and the world is becoming beautiful, everything is great. Then they're moving around and they finally, and they come to this place. Now the orange speaks up. Which would seem to imply that it doesn't really start now. It's, 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 this is the... This is like a culmination. This is like reaching a peak. Now it like bursts in, out in song and it says, wow, it's, it's completion. It's wonderful. This is my resting place. There's nothing really, however, new that's happening at the time when the base of English is built. It's only like arrived at the destination. The... Rabbi Yisai is emphasizing that, that Knesset Yisrael is saying, the Jewish people are saying it, and it's something that could not have been said earlier, only now, because he emphasized when the temple was built and the Aram was put into the place. So there's a much stronger emphasis on it not being said until now, it has to do with the building of the Beis Amit. 
And then we have, of course, the third opinion, which doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Beis HaMikdash, as we spoke earlier, just God saying, when Jews do His will, that Zeus that, uh, this is my dwelling. Might look a little nuanced, but there's something very deep over here. And understanding the Zohar, and fundamentally understanding Beis HaMikdash. So the idea is as follows. In Zohar in general, now first of all you should know that the, the, this, these three opinions, Aron, Knesset Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's father, in Lakutei Levi Yitzchak, explains it Kabbalistically. Why, you know, these three opinions, you know, this is the, why each one was said by each, by each one of these sages, it has to do with the spiritual dynamics of their soul. It's a really fascinating thing, I'm not going to get into it right now. Um, the Rebbe, when and he discusses this, mentions his father's uh, exploration of it. And then he goes into a very deep fundamental understanding of the three temples. I'm sorry, of these three explanations. And the Rebbe lays a very interesting idea. And he says that in Zohar in general, we try to minimize arguments. In the revealed part of the Torah, it's more understandable that there should be an argument. And even though in Torah, when there's an argument amongst the sages, both are true, but and each, each, each one is true in their perspective, in their space. There's nothing that's like, there's no opinion in Torah, which is talking about the sages, that is just, the guy got it wrong. It doesn't work that way. It's the infinite wisdom of God manifesting in different ways, sometimes completely opposites, even contradictory to each other, and yet both are true. Based on the concept where we, there's a verse that says, Elu v'elu These and these are words of the living God. I'm not sure that's a verse. I don't think it's a verse, but it's a, a statement the sages say. Elu v'elu, these and these, is the word of the living God. It means God said both. Both are true. No one made a mistake. But yet, it's still considered an argument. Zohar, because the, which is more esoteric and we're getting into the inner element of Torah, there's no questions and there's no disputes. So we have to really reconcile different opinions and see how they're, they, they complement each other. It's not different opinions, it's just, it really is talking about different, different angles of the same thing, so to speak. And the same over here regarding these three opinions because it's just, it's just seeing, seeing different stages, if we can see, of this evolving, evolving entity called Beis HaMikdash. And that will depend on who is singing this praise of Zeus Menuchasi, this is my resting place. So the idea is as follows. In general, we find three different takes on what the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash is. Three um, approaches to the temple. One approach is Nachmanides, Ramban. Ramban and Parshas Truma um, right in the beginning when it says you should build me a temple Hashem says make for me a sanctuary so and this is in the first Pasuk in Truma yeah. the main desire in the Mishkan according to Nachmanides 
he says, again, I'm just quoting literally his words. He says, the, the main desire that God has in this Mishkan, what's its purpose? Is the, a place for the Shekhinah to dwell. Shua Aron, which is the, now the Shekhinah is inseparable from the Ark. Because the Shekhinah is completely one with the Torah. And so in the, in the Ark, which, how, which, which, which houses the, the, uh, the tablets, which the tablets is the, S, the, the core of the Torah, the root of the whole Torah, that's over there is the Shekhinah. That's, that's one with the Shekhinah. So the Shekhinah, the Torah, the Aron, needed a place. A place in this world. It's really otherworldly. But the Torah, the Shekhinah, comes into this world. So we have to create a place, a place where the Shekhinah can rest. I will set a time for you there, or a place that I can speak to you. It's my place. It's God's, God's dwelling place. The Shekhinah comes down to this world, it should have a place, like a heliport for a helicopter. But the helicopter is not necessarily stationed all the time. The Shekhinah wants to be here and live here, like a nest, or like a home, a place where God can be. That's why, the, and the Ramban proves that that's the main thing. You know, everything else is secondary. All the services that go on and the sacrifices, the main essence, you want to know what the Mishkan really is? The nest of God. God can put its, his feet down in this world. This is, this, is, this, is, this is a place that he can call his, even though everything belongs to him. But the rest, he allows us to claim kind of ownership. But this is Hashem's place. And he proves it from the fact that the first thing when the Torah tells us to make a mishkan, the first thing it starts with is the furniture that's going to be in the inner, inner sanctuary, which is the aron to make the luchos, that's the first thing. And that shows on its primary role. And the Ramban mentions it also in Parshas Ekev, I think there even at greater length, um, this idea. That's Ramban, Nachmanides, Ramosha ben Nachman. Rambam has a different take on the primary function of the Beis HaMikdash. Let's take a look what Rambam says. Mitzvah Saseh, this is right in the beginning, Rambam Ramosha ben Maimon, Contemporary of, Rabbi, of, of the of Rambam. Actually, the Rambam lived before. Maybe they. I wonder. They might have. Um, they might have overlapped a little bit. But the Rambam was older, definitely, than the Ram than the Ramban. Could be that the end of the Rambam's life, the Ram the Ramban was already born. According to the Kabbalah, it's very interesting. According to the mystical teachings of the Arizal, Rambam and Ramban are both rooted. In Adam, we know that all souls come from Adam, and one of them is the Ramban, Nachmanides, he says, is the, and they're both re related to the Peos. They're both called Moshe, and they're huge sages, and because they're both related to Adam's Peos. Peos is the hair that you don't cut on the side of the head, side locks, right? So spiritually, the Ram, Rambam's soul is rooted in the left side of, 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 of Adam's soul. And the Ramban, Ramban, Ramosha ben Nachman on the right side. That's what he says. But in any case, it's not, not for now. But in the laws of making a Beis Amigdash, Ilchas Beis Abchira, the Rambam says, in the first halacha, Perek Rishon, mitzvah say it's a, it's, a, it's a positive commandment, 
to make a house for God. It should be, what's the point of this house? It's a place that it has, it's set. It's prepared, it's ready to be a place where anybody that wants to come serve God can bring sacrifices. And we can go there three times a year to celebrate. Again, it's a place set for anybody that wants to give an offering to God, that's your place. All year long, particularly three times a year, pilgrimage holidays. Everybody goes, we celebrate there. The Ramam, the Ramam doesn't mention anything that God is dwelling there. It's not a place for God. It's a place for us to come worship God. So Ram, Rambam sees the main function of the base of English is the sacrifices, the, the worship, the prayers that are going on there, the beseeching God, the singing, the praise. It's like the, the, it's like the according to the Rambam, it's the super temple. I'm sorry. It's a super synagogue, the place where we're coming to, the, the headquarter synagogue, where, where we're serving and, the, and our service is in the highest level. So it's not so much... Now, why is that the place? Because God dwells there. Not arguing. And according to Nachmanides, he's not arguing on the fact that people come to the temple and bring sacrifices over there. But according to the question is, what's, what's the main thrust of it? According to Nachmanides, the definition of Mishkan is it's a home for God. And that's what makes it so special. According to the Rambam, no, the main function of it is the place that we, we can all go there. It's our collective. It's the highest place of service of God. Humans can, can put out their best and their finest and experience spirituality on the highest levels of, 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 of reaching out to God and giving to God, sacrificing for God, whatever it is. Why is that the place? Because God dwells there. Yeah. But that's secondary according to, according to the Rambam. And, and, and I, here in the Rambam is one of the places where he says this, but every time the Rambam, in many different places, discusses the Beis Amigdash and he's like laying out its, its core, the nucleus of it, he emphasizes our service in it. For example, the Rambam calls the laws, Hilchus Beis Abchira, the place chosen by God, but Hilchus Beis Abchira is part of a section of Rambam called Avoda. Avoda means service. So the fact that this is a chosen place of God is a detail in the service of the Jewish people or the service of humanity. In other words, the, the whole section is called avoda, which is service. And that's the primary element, our service to God. Okay, two... Now, obviously we see they complement each other because there's a relationship over here. God is coming down to dwell in this world and we are rising up to receive him. The question is, what are we, what are we shining the spotlight? What, what takes precedence? The elevation of man or the descent of the divine? But then there's a third element in the, third, in the Beis HaMikdash that, that highlights something else, and that's the Midrash. So the Midrash, in a few places, this is Shemos, uh, Midrash Rabbah, in the beginning of Truma, I'm not going to read that one, but in Perek Lamedalid,
Where did I see this? Hold on. Oh, v'asu aroin, v'asu li migdash. Amar Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. Hashem says to the Jewish people. Now here the medrash seems to be giving out or 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 conveying the the content of the temple. Hashem says to the Jewish people. This is in Perek Lamed Dalid, um, Sif Dalid. Amar Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. Atem tsoini. You're my sheep. Vani roya, and I am your shepherd. I've given my sheep, the sheep of my of my pasture. Odamatem, your man. Vani roya, and I am the, I am the, uh, I am the, the shepherd. Shenema roya Yisrael hazina. Okay. Asi dear leroya, make me make. So you, if you're the sheep, you need to have your shepherd next to you. So make me a a, a little home, a, a shepherd's uh, little uh, tent. Uh, a dwelling so that I can live next to my sheep. That he should be able to come and he should shepherd you. Make for me a base make sure I will dwell. Why do I have to dwell amongst you? I have to take, I have to look after. I look have to look out for you. And then the Medrash continues. Atem Kerem. You are a vineyard. That the house of Israel is considered the vineyard of, of God of hosts, Lord of hosts. Vani Shoimer, I'm the guard of the vineyard. He doesn't sleep and he neither does he slumber. The guardian of Israel. Make me a little sukkah, make me a little booth for the Shomer to come. He should guard you. Atem Bonim, your children. Vani Avichem, I'm your father. Children you are to your to, to, to Hashem, to God, your God. I'm your, I'm your dad. I am for the Jewish people of Father. Kavid Lebanim, it is honorable to the children, when they're next to their father. The Kavid Laav, and it's a great honor for the father, when he's at their home, at next to his children. Asu bayis la'av, make a home for the father. Shayavay ve'yishra eitzel banav, that he can come and dwell amongst his children. All three of them. It's not about a place, a dwelling for God in the world. It's not about our service. It's just about the relationship. It's about the two of us being together. The Jewish people and Hashem. In other words, the main part, according to Rab Nachmanides, the main part is v'asuli migdash, a sanctuary for me. I want a place to dwell. I need a home. This, I need, you know, a you know, place. God says, I come down to this world. I want to have a place, you know, I don't want to have to go to a hotel. <laughs> I want my, a place like it's my own apartment. I can call it my place. <laughs> According to the Rambam, the main thing is, you know, uh, you're all about serving me. Make, make, make me a place where you can serve me. According to the Midrash, it far surpasses all of that. It's much deeper than that. It's not your service. It's not your service, and it's not me dwelling. It's us. It's us being together. It's a place, or in other places, it implies more. Here, it's giving the example of a shepherd and sheep, a vineyard and a guard, a father and parent. And in other places in Midrash, it's a bridal chamber. It's a it's a marriage. It's an intimacy. A place where the two of us can bond. A place where the two of us can be, live together 
and, 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 and enjoy each, each other's presence and, and bond in the deepest way possible. That's the base of English. I'll read you another Midrash Tanchuma, Parashat The Midrash also uses that. Um, I'm going to put my mishkan amongst you. If you fulfill my mitzvahs, I, I, I will leave the upper worlds alone. And I'm going to come down and dwell amongst you. I will dwell amongst you. That's the whole purpose you left Egypt. Because God wants to live amongst us. And it goes on and on and on. He didn't go out of Egypt. Only for the purpose that I, you can make for me a Mishkan. Because I want to be with you. So here we have a, 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 a third dimension to Mishkan. It's, it's the fusion of both. It's the unification of the Jewish people. Hashra's Hashchina, the dwelling of the Shechina amongst and with the Jewish people. And that's the difference between the three opinions in the Zohar about who's saying it. If, according to the first opinion, it's the Aron saying it, Zosmanichasi, this is my dwelling. Talking about, yeah, talking about the Mishkan, Migdash. What's, what's, who, who, who's, who's excited about it? That's consistent with Ramban. The Aron, that's the Shechina. Shechina has a dwelling place. God has a place in this world. He doesn't have to go to Motel 6. God has a place in this world. Rabbi Yeseh says, Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people have a place. They say, this is our place. Because what is a Jew all about? Serving his creator. And now there is a place that facilitates the service. A place where we can all call and go there and be inspired and bring our best and show our best face to God, reach for Him, elevate the world, because through going to the temple, we elevated all of our resources through the sacrifices and everything else that we brought to the temple. And that's who we are and what, what, we, what we are all about. So we can shine and give off our light and connect, lift ourselves up above and beyond the mundanity of this world and touch heaven. So when we don't have a temple, we're very, very restricted in it. And that's why our, our, our spirituality is severely compromised. And we're here and we're there and we get confused with evil inclination and with Yitzhahara and with all kinds of crazy, because we don't have a set place. And even if we have moments, it's very not stationed, it's not stable. But when there is a temple and we go there three times a year, it would leave a huge impact upon us. And we would, and we could, we can have our a, a something anchoring us in our entire existence. It's we're all anchored in the temple. And that's our, that's our place, where we can 
realize our highest aspirations and our highest calling. That's the Makam HaMikdash. And therefore, according to that opinion, and which is, as we spoke before, that's Rambam, in the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash. And for that reason, what's the... Uh, Who's saying Zeus Menuchasi? Who is the most excited about the Beis Hamikdash? The Jewish people were the most excited. Knesset Yisrael. So the Zohar says it's the Jewish people who said it when the Beis Hamikdash was built. And then finally, according to Reb Chizkiyahu in the Zohar, God says it. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says it, but He says it that what's His dwelling place? The Jewish people are His dwelling place. But we asked earlier in the Zohar, so then what does it have to do with the Beis HaMikdash? So why, does the, why is the Zohar bringing this Pasuk regarding Parshas Pekudeh, which is talking about building a, Mish, a Mishkan, building a Beis HaMikdash? It, it's unrelated to that. When Jews do God's will, God dwells amongst the Jewish people. You are my dwelling. The answer is no, that's connected to the Beis HaMikdash. Because according to the third opinion in the Zohar, the, the, the primary function of the Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash is the marital home between God and, and Israel. Or the parents and the children living together, whichever way you want to look at it. Or the shepherd and the sheep together, or the garden and his vineyard together. But whatever aspect of it, it's the fusion, it's the togetherness. And that's why, yeah, Hashem says, you are my dwelling, because the main part of the Beis HaMikdash is not the Mish, Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash facilitates that the Mikdash, make for me a Beis HaMikdash, vishachanti, and I will be able to dwell besaycham, amongst you, amongst the Jewish people. So Hashem says regarding the Jewish people, you are my dwelling place, in, in your heart, it's us together. Now these three ideas are not different opinions, just, and each one has his take on the temple, but rather three truths about the temple manifesting in three phases. That's what we spoke earlier. That in the Beis HaMikdash there are three phases. Phase num number one was the initial phase, which was the Mishkan. Phase number two was the two Beit the two temples that were in Jerusalem. And phase number three is the, the third base of English. The, so it's not just, and just like we understand that it's not three, it's one, one idea that, that evolves one from the other until you get the ultimate temple in the physical sense you know first we had a mobile home which was lacking in its stability then we got a we, we got a we got a spot in which we can anchor down and then finally we have a enduring home that will last forever and that's the ultimate goal so the same is also in the three ideas that we spoke about before. They're not three separate ideas. One evolves into the other. At first we need, God needs a place to put his feet down, but that's not the ultimate purpose. 
Once that's accomplished, from there we can move to the next stage that we can create something that we, the Jewish people, can now realize ourselves in this world in, in, with a set place. And I'm going to explain that soon. I know it's not that clear yet. That, why it has to do with the Jewish people having a place. Now that God has a foot in this world, we, are, we as Jews can connect to him and get ourselves a place where we can really, really shine and, 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 and make the world what the world ought to be and perfect all of creation. Once we perfect all of creation as a result of having that, that, that place that we can call ours, then we can finally bring it to the third stage and that is we can comfortably create that home in where we merge together in absolute oneness and live happily ever after for all of eternity. And then it's not his place or our place, it's, it's us. And that's the third base of Migdash. So now let's take a look how each one of these phases, Mishkan, Beis Migdash, and third temple reflect these three ideas. The Mishkan, which was the, the first attempt, so not attempt, the first um, achievement, the first stage in the divine presence in this world, was primarily Nachmanides' temple. What do I mean, Nachmanides' temple? Nachmanides' idea, because Nachmanides is actually speaking about the Mishkan. He says, Iker mishkan, the main desire in making the Mishkan, which is the first temple. And he says, is a place for the Aram, because that's the first thing. We need to give God footage in this world. A place for the Shekhinah. It's like a, God's floating like a helicopter above the world. We need to give him a heliport. A place he can put his feet down. Come down into this world and can establish himself. Nachmanari says, the Shekhinah is one with the Aram, with the Ark. So therefore the main thing is to have a place to put the Aron. That's it. Now, but take a look, interesting. That was primarily, that function was, the Mishkan served that function more than any other of the edifice. Why? Because the Mishkan, whenever the Mishkan was standing, the Aron was there. When we moved to the temple, it wasn't this case. Because even though in the temple there was the Aron in the, in the Holy of Holies, didn't last. Towards the end of the era of the first temple, Yeshayahu HaMelech, one of the kings, took the ark out of the Aron, because had, they had prophets telling them that Nebuchadnezzar, they're going to come and destroy, Nebuchadnezzar said the foreign armies are going to come and destroy the temple. So, and we don't want them to get to lay hands on this treasure of treasures. So he went and he hid it deep, deep, deep in the under, underground in some, in some, some deep tunnels under the, under the uh, temple mount where the Aron is. And the Gemara has two opinions. But that is the more, most, more accepted opinion that it was never taken into captivity. It's hidden over there. So if that's the case, one second. So it wasn't even there. So, you, so, so the, wait. And then in the second temple, when they built the second base of Migdash, the Holy of Holies was an empty room. It didn't even have. They never brought it back up. So what does that mean? 
you can't say that the content of the Beis Hamikdash is a place for the Aron. Think about that. We can't argue and say that the main idea of the Beis Hamikdash is a place where the Aron is, where the Shechina dwells, with the Aron. Because you had many years in the first temple and the entire period of the second temple that you didn't even have that and yet you had a temple. And the temple was a temple. So we have to say that the content of the temple is something else. But in the time of the tabernacle, in the Mishkan, there was never a day that you had a Mishkan that you didn't have the Uro. It was there all the time. So what's the primary function of Mishkan? A place for Hashem. And, and, and that was provided all the time. However, even though that was provided, there was a place for the Aaron to be, but the entire structure was not, was, was not set. We created a container for God, but the container, the containment, was not fully anchored in the world. From the very fact that it kept on moving from place to place. It didn't have a permanence in this world. And when we came to Jerusalem, we anchored it down, we cemented it. In other words, we built a home. So now, there was a set place within this world, devoted and designated to be the home of Hashem. Now, in this phase, the, the primary function, as we said before, was not so much all the time the dwelling of the Aro. Because as we said, there were times in, this, in the first temple and then the entire time in the second temple that the Aro was not in a set place. So what was accomplished in the Beis HaMikdash? What was accomplished in the Beis is that the Jewish people have a place that we as a nation, we stood on our Sinai, we declared that our identity, our identity as Jews is to serve God. That's who we are. That's how, that's, that's, I just read this today from Rabbi Sadjagun. Rabbi Sadjagun writes, Imoiseinu is not a, our, our nation is not a nation without the Torah. The Torah is our instruction guidebook of how to serve our Creator. So technically a Jew who doesn't do mitzvahs is still Jewish, but there's not much Jewish expression there unless you're doing mitzvahs. You're serving God. So that's our identity as Jews. And therefore, a place that, that we can call ours is a place that enables and facilitates our service to Hashem. So that applies to the whole Eretz Yisrael, the whole land of Israel. Primarily, because that's a place where you can do all the mitzvot. Many mitzvot don't apply anywhere else. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu want to go into the land of Israel? Because he can do all the mitzvot. He can be fully Jewish. In the time of exile, we're not fully Jewish in the sense that we're not fully practicing. We're doing the best we can, but we're not... So Eretz Yisrael facilitates our observances. We call it our home. Like a home. What do you want to see in your house? Your home you want to have. Your home is a place that you know that you can fully function in that place. And you build, if you're able to build your own home, you don't have to you know, compromise and squish yourself into a little apartment, but you're able to build yourself your dream house. You build it in a way where things that are meaningful to you. Some people need a gym, and other people need a massive study. People are very studious, needs a big library. Another person needs a major, needs a gym. A person needs a big bar, because that's what he needs to do in his house. Watch television, watch football. 
Everybody has their thing that, that, that they're, they're into. Right? So the Jewish people are into serving God. Now where do we reach our zenith, our peak of service? In the Beis HaMikdash. And until we don't, and, and again, and, and, and since the content of our service is to make the world holy, to lift the world up to God, here it's more important that it's a set place in this world. If it's a role, if it's, if it, see for the, for the Aron, it's for Hashem to have a foot in this world from the Aron's perspective, it's okay, as long as it's a place. It doesn't necessarily have to be set in one place. But we, the Jew, first of all, we are part of the world. We're, we are of the world. And being of the world, time and space is more important. Secondly, our whole service is the, is the fixing of the world and the uplifting of the world. So until we don't anchor it down and set it into a place, then, it's, then, 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 then that function is, is not really, is not, is not established. Now, put it this way, until we don't have a base of English, we're not really open for business. What our business is, the uplifting of the world. So only when the Beis HaMikdash is set in a place, we the Jewish people can exclaim and say, this is our menucha. This, this gives us tranquility. Because when a person is, when a person is, which is, by the way is a very deep lesson, because when a person is not doing what they ought to be doing, not realizing their, their mission and their purpose in their existence, there's a very deep um, a very deep um, restlessness. You can only be at peace and calm, even if you're working very, very hard. But if what you're working and what you're doing is consistent with who you are and what you are, and you feel very deeply that you're fulfilling your life's purpose and mission of who you are and what you are, even if it's hard and exerting labor, it's still, it's still, it's still peaceful. There's a deep tranquility. Um, um, but, 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 but not being in sync with what we ought to be doing creates, and even if you can be sleeping all the time, but deep inside a person is decaying, inside you feel this, this, this because that's the way the human psyche is. We, we, we have to be doing what we're meant to do. So only when we have a Beis HaMikdash and when we can fully do what we're meant to do can we say, this is our Beis HaMikdash. But we don't have permanence. Because we, as we are in this world, are lacking in permanence because we're finite, we're part of a world. And a world is finite. And therefore, the temple that we build will eventually go. It's not permanent. In order for it to be permanent, there needs to be God's input, because God is infinite. So we move into the final temple, which is the third base of English. And what's the third base of English? The, 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 the third temple, as we mentioned earlier, is this fusion. It's when we, the Jewish people, which the work that we started in the base of English, eventually we take it to the entire world. Yes through exile and through losing our headquarters. But our headquarters always remains our headquarters, even though the structure isn't there. But the place always remains holy. And our prayers are always towards that place. We are anchored. It's not that we're not anchored. But we're meant to take the message across the entire world. When we complete this work of sublimating the entire world and the whole world is ready, 
then we can rebuild a base amigdash. But this time it's not us building it, it's us together with God building the base amigdash. And then that base amigdash represents the ultimate purpose of what it was all about from the very beginning. We lift up the world and make the world a dwelling for, for God, and then God sees in us his second half. And he, and he descends into this world, and Hashem says, this is my dwelling place. What the, you know what that means, really? That means that God says, God now feels tranquility. God now feels completed, because God is incomplete without the Jewish people. But we can only reveal that we are his second half only when we have realized and fulfilled our function in this world and then the godliness of the Jewish people, the, the, the true substance of who we are and what we are is then, is then revealed that we are really the other side of him. And then he is, and, and then, and that's our, that's our marriage with him. Because he's only, God is married to who? To himself. <laughs> to, to his feminine side of himself, which is us. So that's what the Medrash says, Kad Ovid when the Jewish people do his will, which again, when will that be realized? After the entire exile and after all the work that we've done. And then when we come back into the, into the, in the time of the Beis Amingdash, and then all of us will be doing all the time, all of the Torah and mitzvahs, in the highest way possible. Then there will be a complete chibur v'shachamti b'seicham. The main idea of the base of English will be realized, and that is the intimacy between God and, and Israel and the Jewish people. If you take a look in the Zohar, the Zohar emphasizes that God sits on His throne, and there's only peace and blessing and good for the entire world. Suddenly, the Zohar is talking about the whole world. Why are we talking about the world when we're talking when it's all about when 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 when? initially the Zohar says God is excited to be with his people, with the Jewish people. Why the whole world? And the answer is the, the revelation of this, of this union between God and Israel is only in a world, here this is very important, is only in a world that is completely supportive and consistent with and not, and not um, interfering with the well-being of the Jewish people. Meaning to say like this, the state, the messianic state, and this joining of Hashem and the world, which primarily is Hashem's unification with Israel, with the Jewish people, only reveals itself and only shows itself. It has to be revealed that, that Israel is the other half of God. Now if the Jewish people are the other half of God, they can't have an oppressor. They can't have... Um, hatred directed towards them. They can't have um, obstacles. They can't have um, uh, anything in this world that is harming their, their service. And that's why, because it, if, if something is contradicting them, if there's Amalek still in the world, if there's still some, some people claiming that they're stealing their land, if there's anti-Semitism, if there's some other thing getting in the way, not allowing, that means who you're fighting? You're fighting God. So obviously it's still hidden that the Jewish people are God's other half. It's only when the world, as the Zohar says, is in a state of bracha and shalom and peace and everything, the world is filled with blessing. 
And as the Rambam describes, the days of Mashiach. The days of Mashiach will be time when there won't be any jealousy and there won't be any more competition and there won't be any more hunger. and There won't, there won't be anything in the world that causes problems to the complete observance of Torah and mitzvahs. And Israel will be in a, in a state where the world will not only not disturb, but it will facilitate. It will support. Because the world has to support, ultimately, the world has to support its creator, which is God. And if Israel and God are one, then Israel has to be supported. The Jewish people cannot be negated. They can't be fought against. And that will only be in the Messianic era. So only in the Messianic era is this, in other words, in all the base Amigdashas that we had till now, since there was still war and there was still hunger and there were still things in this world, pockets or elements in this world that were still negating, that were still in opposition to Judaism and holiness, that was a sign that the Jewish people are still being perceived in the world just as part of humanity, which is nice. And there are times that the Jewish people were treated not as part of humanity, but as less than humanity. But only when Mashiach comes, when, the, when as we say, Vishachanti Bisocham, God says, I have chosen you to dwell amongst you. You are my resting place, meaning you're my other half. Then the true quality of Israel is revealed. When? In the third temple. Because again, as only in that era will it be a world that is perfectly in sync with everything holy and godly. And obviously that will bring infinite and endless blessing to, and joy and happiness and reward and, 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 and ecstasy and bliss to all of humanity and all of the world. It's all part of this magnificent um, setting for this union, for this marriage that's there. And ultimately culminating in the third base of English. So now... Um, when we see the, 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 the evolving of these, three, of these three stages, we'll see that since the Mishkan is the, when Hashem says, V'asoli Migdash, make for me a Beis Migdash, on the simple level, God is talking about the Mishkan. But we're saying the Mishkan gives birth to a, to, 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 to a Beis Migdash, and eventually the Beis Migdash evolves into the third temple, which is the ultimate of it. So we have to say that in the Mishkan itself, you can also see these three parts. Well, I showed you earlier that there's three definitions of the Mishkan. Is it about a dwelling for God? Is it about a, 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 uh, uh, something that, the, the worship of, of Israel, of the Jewish people? Or is it about the, 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 the union of both living together? But we actually can see it in the making of the Mishkan, all three phases. And that is, going back to what I said right at the beginning, that in the, base, in the Mishkan there were three time periods. And we started right now, today, the first stage. There is the seven days of the Mishkan in which Moshe put up the Mishkan. The Mishkan was, was erected. Moshe was able to put up the Mishkan, fine. But he, had to he took it down every night. 
So it reflected this period of time, the seven days of Meluyim corresponded later to the general theme of Mishkan. Because what's the theme of the Mishkan we spoke earlier? The theme of the Mishkan is a place for Hashem, but the place itself is not, is not, is not anchored. And it's where you can move around, it's lacking in its stability. And that's the same thing in the fact that it was put up, it was taken down, it was put up and it was taken down. Then we move to the next day. What was the next stage after the seven days? Comes the eighth day. What happened on the eighth day? They put up the Mishkan for it to last. Again, relative, because it's still a Mishkan and it's not lasting forever. But this was considered the permanent and the real avoda in the Beis Amigdash is starting. The main avoda, the daily avodah, the seven days was also they were serving in the Mishkan, but it was not routine service. It was a special service for those seven days. On the eighth day, it was already, this is the first day the Beis Amigdash is really open for business. So this is reflecting the Beis Amigdash, the place where the Jewish people can do their business in serving God. And there is a certain um, establishment in this world as a set place for it. That's why the Mishkan was also set up. But we're still lacking the dwelling of the Shekhinah, the God coming down element. Then comes the next thing that happened. It happened, happened to be on the eighth day, but it was later in the day when the Mishkan suddenly was filled with God's presence, the powerful dwelling of God, which that's phase number three in the Mishkan, which is indicative and symbolizes really the third temple. So how fortunate and how lucky are we that we are right now at the point in history where literally momentarily we're going to merit the third Besam English which is going to be the final Besam English. Just one more idea which I forgot to mention is that the way in, in, in our service, you also have these three things. So the, the, the first phase of the service is the place, as we said before, the place for the Aron. Aron is the Torah. The first thing that we need to bring into the world is the is, is, divine, is the divine blueprint. God has to start communicating with the world. This world can't reach anything without an instruction coming from above, of how to make this world into a godly place. But, as we spoke earlier, the main function of the Mishkan was to create a resting place for it. And that is related to the idea that Torah requires the person who's studying it. First, we study Torah. Without Torah, we don't know what to do. So the Torah study requires, however, a, 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 to, be, to be in a state of menucha, to be in a state of tranquility. Because without tranquility, Torah can't stick. That's why it says that when a person accepts upon himself to study Torah diligently, God will automatically remove all disturbances. You won't, somehow, livelihood will come, parnasa will come. The accept, but it has to be the yoke of Torah. You take, you're not playing around, you're not messing around. You're diligent, serious. Hashem will remove obstacles. We also know. The Torah was only given to the generation that got livelihood from heaven. Because to really absorb the Torah requires undivided attention. 
without being disturbed. That's why what makes, it, what makes it so hard for people to study Torah today is because we have this gadget called a cell phone and it constantly, we're constantly checking and looking and here it's this, you know, people go to classes and people learn and half the time they're checking and you can't learn anything. Nothing goes into your head. You have to shut that phone, get rid of it, completely disengage. Even if you're not learning Torah day and night, if you're learning just Torah for an hour a day, but that hour has to be exclusive. Nothing else is there. No one is calling you. No one can... No one can distract you. It's only you and the Torah. It's very important. That's the idea of making it that Mishkan, a dwelling place for the Torah. As a result of Torah being absorbed in this world, that funnel brings to that, because we know Talmud is so great, it leads to action. That's the next phase. What's the, the action is the deeds of mitzvahs, mitzvah observance, which through mitzvah observance, we make the world godly. And that's phase number two making a part of the world godly, permanently. Changing a part of the world. Not just giving God a voice, a communication, a microphone into this world, what Torah is, but actually taking, changing the world, refining it and making it godly, which its highest accomplishment is in the place of the temple, that you have a mountain that's a holy mountain. And a home that's a permanent structure for God. So that, and that's as a result of the mitzvahs that we do. Finally, as a result of Torah and mitzvahs, when we complete all the mitzvahs, we, the Jewish people, the maker of this home, become the dwelling place for God. And then God comes down and dwells within Israel. And we have the harmony and the intimacy and the union forever and ever. And that's what we're holding right now at that marriage at that final realization. So may we merit already that from this Shiva Simei Hamaluyim that we're in right now, the seven days of first stage should lead us very quickly into Rosh Chodesh Nisan, to second stage, which would immediately bring us into, may we already see the third base of they're standing in all of its glory and all of its light and all feel the incredible love of Hashem to all of us as He lifts us up higher and higher and higher and higher into his embrace and together with us being lifted up in God's embrace we hold on to the rest of the world and bring all of humanity and all of the world up to its ultimate realization of oneness and and connection to Hashem may this all be now thank you